I'm ever meant to put in jeopardy the Russian population. I have come to Texas. I am a high school science teacher. I've taught in and around Denver for seven going on eight years now. My family is from mainland China. Toronto, Canada is a fantastic city mm. to transition in. In every section of every class I teach, there's trans and non-binary students. There's no such thing as a binary when it comes to the gender that we present or when it comes to the physical sex that we develop as biological beings. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner gets nine years for her Russian foul. Hungary's Christian nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban brings bigotry to U.S. conservatives. And trans science teacher Sam Long takes a new look at gender. Those stories and more this week because you found This Way Out. I'm Sarah Montague. And I'm Michael LeBeau. With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending August 6, 2022. I never meant to hurt anybody. I never meant to put in jeopardy the rest of the population. I never meant to break any laws here. Eight-time WNBA All-Star Brittany Griner's appeal for leniency failed to move a Russian judge. The African-American lesbian was sentenced to nine and a half years in a penal colony at the end of her trial on August 4th. Griner was arrested in Moscow-area airport on February 17th after officials found vape cartridges containing less than a gram of legally prescribed cannabis oil in her luggage. It was just days before President Vladimir Putin launched his unprovoked war on Ukraine, and many analysts speculate that Greiner became an opportune trading card in the geopolitical maelstrom. The Biden administration insists the drug smuggling charges are manufactured. Greiner supplements her WNBA salary by playing in Russia during the off-season. She told the court, Your Honor, my parents taught me two important things. One, take ownership for your responsibilities and two, to work hard for everything that you have. That's why I pled guilty to my charges. I understand everything that's being said against me, the charges that are against me, and that is why I pled guilty. But I had no intent to break any Russian laws. I want the courts to understand that it was an honest mistake that I made while rushing under stress, trying to recover from post-COVID, and just trying to get back to my team. That hard work that my parents instilled in me is what brought me to play for the best EuroLeague and Russian team here at Ugemka. I had no idea that the team, the city, the fans, and my teammates would make such a great impression on me over the six and a half years that I've spent here in ECAT. It became my second home with my friends, my teammates, and my fans that I was able to interact with. I remember vividly coming out of the gym and all the little girls that were in the stands there waiting on me. And that's what kept making me come back here. I want to apologize to my parents, my siblings, my Phoenix Mercury organization back at home, the amazing women of the WNBA, and my amazing spouse. I never meant to hurt anybody. I never meant to put in jeopardy the Russian population. I made an honest mistake, and I hope that 
in your ruling that it doesn't end my life here. I know everybody keeps talking about political pawn and politics, but I hope that that is far from this courtroom. I had no intent, I did not conspire or plan to commit this crime. Again, I want to apologize to my teammates and the organization, Gimka, for any damage that I may have done to them. I never intended on hurting them. This is my second home, and all I wanted to do was just win championships and make them proud. Thank you, Your Honor. John Kirby of the U.S. National Security Council condemned the nearly maximum sentence for a relatively minor case of possession, inflated to include intent to distribute. She shouldn't have even been on trial. She's wrongfully detained. Uh, absent that, uh, we, we find the, the sentence reprehensible in its, in its scope. Russian officials had flatly refused to consider any prisoner exchange proposal until Griner's trial was over. After the sentencing, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov was quoted by the state news agency RIA Novosti, saying that the Kremlin is ready to discuss this topic, but within the framework of the back channel that has been agreed by Russian President Vladimir Putin and U.S. President Joe Biden. He did not elaborate. Griner's long-term mental and physical health in a Russian penal colony is of concern to many observers. Her supporters fear negotiations for a prisoner swap could take months. She has until August 14th to file an appeal. The first date in the bromance between U.S. Conservative Political Action Conference and Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban was in Budapest earlier this year. The affair resumed on August 4th. The globalists can all go to hell. I have come to Texas. Uh, <laughs> Orban landed in Dallas days after making this blatantly bigoted speech in Romania. There is a world in which European peoples are mixed together with those arriving from outside Europe. Now that is a mixed race world. And then there is our world, where people from within Europe mix with one another. Those remarks were called pure Nazi by a longtime aide who promptly resigned. However, self-described Christian nationalist Orban wowed the almost entirely Caucasian CPAC crowd. They also cheered his usual anti-queer rants. We had to build not just a physical wall on our borders, but a legal wall around our children to protect them from the gender ideology. Family ties shall be based on marriage, or the relationship between parents and children. The mother is a woman, the father is a man, and leave our kids alone. Full stop, end of discussion. We don't need more genders, we need more rangers. Less drag queens and more Chuck Norris. The far right of the Republican Party seems to be unashamedly under the spell of the fascist strongman. Swooning fans sharing the CPAC stage with the Hungarian autocrat were the likes of former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, insurrection backers Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, and Georgia Congressperson Marjorie Taylor Greene. The twice-impeached former president also appeared. The owner of a Chicago-area bakery who reluctantly cancelled a family-friendly drag queen brunch last week is now being blocked from hosting events of any kind. Karina Sack of the Uprising Bakery and Cafe in suburban Lake in the Hills, Illinois, posted a video on Facebook on July 30th cancelling a Disney karaoke event planned for that evening and a resume-writing workshop scheduled for the next day. 
She said that town officials had sent her a letter advising her that her establishment is not zoned for hosting events. Drag brunches and other family-friendly events have been a vital part of her business since she opened the bakery in November. Vandals broke windows and spray-painted vulgar anti-queer slogans on the walls of the building in late July. Sack questioned the timing of the shutdown. After voicing their support for us and saying that they will help us reschedule the canceled event from 723. Now they want us to cancel not only our next drag show, they want us to cancel every single event, stop hosting events going forward. To me, it seems a little coincidental. Sack is considering her legal options. Finally, Michigan's civil rights laws that ban discrimination based on sex extend to sexual orientation and gender identity. So says the state Supreme Court in a 5-2 ruling. A handful of companies that wanted to deny service to trans people and queer couples had challenged that interpretation of the law by the Michigan Department of Civil Rights. The two no votes were Republicans, but Republican Justice Elizabeth Clement joined her Democratic colleagues in affirming bias protections. She wrote, Discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation necessarily constitutes discrimination because of sex. A significant portion of the U.S. population wrongly believe that federal law protects LGBTQ people from discrimination. There are no protections in a number of states either. Michigan's Attorney General Dana Nessel helped argue the case before the state Supreme Court. She applauded the ruling. It's good for the people of our state, it's good for businesses in our state, and it's great for the economy of our state. Nestle told Detroit's WXYZ-TV that it's personal for her as a partnered lesbian. It means that people can feel confident in being who they are and not have to worry about having their job threatened or their housing situation threatened. Up until yesterday, I could still walk into, you know, a diner and be told that they won't serve me or my family. We're law-abiding members of the community like anybody else. We just want to have all the same opportunities. And now we do. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending August 6, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm Michael LeBeau. Stay healthy. And I'm Sarah Montague. Stay safe. Hi, this is Janice Ian, and you're listening to This Way Out. You ain't gonna get this nowhere else. Are you signed up for our e-newsletter, Inside This Way Out? We send them out every few weeks, briefly reviewing recent and previewing upcoming programming, and deepening the conversation about your favorite international LGBTQ radio show. All you have to do to receive Inside This Way Out messages is email us at info at thiswayout.org. And be assured that we don't share or sell your email address or anything about you to anyone else, and we never will. Again, to receive the occasional Inside This Way Out, 
and let us know you're listening, email us at info at thiswayout.org. Our series of conversations with transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming thought leaders from around the world goes to an inclusion laboratory with host Roger Q. Mason. Hi, I'm Roger Q. Mason. I am a black, Filipinx, plus-size, gender non-conforming queer artist of color. And this is Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage. Roger's courageous guest in this installment is helping change the way students experience the sciences. Sam Long is a transgender high school science teacher and co-founder of the Gender Inclusive Biology website. The website aims to adapt existing biology teachings to grow a gender-inclusive curriculum. It demonstrates ways to achieve that goal for the next generation science standards and gender-inclusive standards. It also offers resources for advocacy. Well, we are here on the air with the brilliant science educator and transgender rights visionary, Sam Long. Sam, how are you today, my dear? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the end of my summer as a teacher here in Colorado. I am a high school science teacher in Denver Public Schools. I've taught in and around Denver for seven going on eight years now. I am so curious. What is trans life like? in Colorado, particularly in Denver? In Denver, a trans life is uh, pretty vibrant and pretty open to what you want it to be. Denver pride is a, a big thing, especially for a lot of young people. The ability to transition and to be out in Colorado is protected by the state law. Um, hmm. There are always improvements that can be made. And my experience has been a, a lot of witnessing what it's like for young people to understand gender identity and to transition if they choose. Also, what it's been like for me to be an out trans teacher. And I have done that every year that I have taught. And so I have uh, some sense that, well, one, that Denver is a good place for me to be, uh, especially the school that I'm at now. I think I'm in a great place to continue to build on what I've done. And honestly, there are a lot of places that I wouldn't want to be teaching at this right. time. Uh, so I'm glad to be where I am in Denver. And I hope that I can do a lot more when it comes to representing have, and supporting trans people here. Have you noticed any students that have sort of come out to you or come up to you and said, hey, you know, because of you, I feel more comfortable? Uh, yes, I've had students tell me that their ability to be out or to um, be themselves in school has been in part because of my visibility. That's amazing. I mean, the the reality is that, as as we all know, you know, the binary is a, a an invented social construct which has gender, race, and class based implications. Alok, uh, one of our great sisters in this struggle. Um, talks about, identifies the, the 17 and 1800s 
as really the time when contemporary understandings of the gender as a binary were codified but using somewhat science, particularly um, the science from the, the post-Darwinian era to justify the superiority of certain races based on how they express gender in a binary way over others. So it's important to sort of understand, I think, that the binary is an invention. And I'm happy that we are uninventing it and that young people now are recognizing that they don't have to be tied to those same ideas and those same identities. You identify as a Chinese American Canadian. You have been all over the world, my dear. Can you tell us a little bit about your family's sort of migration story? I have been all over the world, but I've gotten to enjoy uh, multiple perspectives. My family is from China, uh, mainland China. My parents went over to Massachusetts to be grad students in science. Hmm. And that's where my sister and I were born. Since we were born there, we are American citizens. Hmm. But for my family overall, uh, it made more sense first to move to Canada, where we'd all be able to become naturalized. And uh, my mom got a job offer in Canada right around us as I was in kindergarten. So mm-hmm. I spent most of my uh, my K-12 education in Toronto, Canada, which is, uh, I can only look back and say it was a fantastic city mm. to come of age in and to transition in. Right. And then I uh, finished college. I finished our teacher preparation program. And yeah. there, there were no open positions for teachers in Southern Ontario. Uh, all, mm-hmm. all of Canada was, was generally not hurting for teachers. There was a wait list to be a substitute teacher. We wouldn't really dream of that um, in Colorado or anywhere in the United States. But mm-hmm. that had me moving back to the States and end up in Colorado at the suggestion of a friend of mine who was also a teacher. Right. And the experience has been not too different from being in Toronto. It's a definitely a different kind of city and a, a slightly different culture that I'm aware of. But um, I, I felt it was a good place to grow my career as a teacher and to start seeing about not only how I could become skilled and uh, competent in teaching, but what impact I could make in areas like gender inclusion and biology. I feel oh. that that wasn't really talked about when I was training to be a teacher. Uh, didn't really exist. And now it's become more of a, a nationally talked about issue, partly because of the work that I've done with gender inclusive biology. And to that end, you are an award winning educator and, and civil rights leader. And you recently won the NEA Human and Civil Rights Award for your achievements and ideas and contributions to to uh, queer rights. And I, I want to ask what changed for you, either professionally or personally, upon receiving that recognition? Thank you. I, I was really uh, in awe and honored to receive this award and the NEA that are uh, National Education Association is the teachers union that I've been a member of for as long as I've taught in public schools. Mm-hmm. And their commitment to racial and social justice is one way you can see that commitment is through the work that they do every year and the 
uh, awards, a series of awards that they have each year for racial and social justice. And we don't have that guaranteed to us as teachers. Um, teaching as a profession is, for all the listeners, if you think back to who are your teachers, you, you can probably um, surmise that it's predominantly a career taken up by white, cis, hetero, mm-hmm. uh, female people. Mm-hmm. And that's, well, that's no accident. That's because it's difficult for anybody else to break into the field of teaching. And it's difficult to stay when you might have a, a staff or a supervisor who doesn't really recognize you for your strengths. And I've encountered yeah. that here and there, but for the most part, I've had positive experiences with principals and coworkers who have uh, seen me for my strengths, who have seen that there is a perspective that they would be missing if they were to let me go. Sam Long is our guest on Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage with Roger Q. Mason. Now, you are a scientist and you come from a scientist family. And so I'd love to be in class with you for a second. What are some of the sections uh, that you teach? I've taught mostly life sciences. So in high school, that's biology, usually in ninth grade, and uh, anatomy and physiology. Uh, I have taught some chemistry. The thing that really excites me, well, in life sciences, a lot of teachers like life sciences. It's dealing with living things that should be engaging students. Um, but the thing that really caught me the first year I was teaching biology, what caught me was that there are things that you teach in a canonical biology curriculum that didn't really make sense to teach in modern day. So mm. if you were to teach out of a uh, one of those old textbooks that you have in your classroom, or even uh, out of what's commonly taught in colleges, mm-hmm. you're teaching a very overgeneralized view of gender, sex, and sexuality. Hmm. You're probably teaching from the first principle of chromosomes uh, to say that, well, if somebody has XX chromosomes, they're going to be female. And if they have XY chromosomes, they're going to be male, which is true for some people, definitely not true for all people, definitely not applicable to animals, other living things that we need to understand. And so I started to feel, well, that that's not a great place to start. Maybe we need to start with more of a lens of diversity. Maybe Hmm. we need to start by looking at the role of sex in living things in the first place. There's no reason why we need to have Um, two types of bodies. Some animal species have three or four types of bodies Mm -hmm. rather than two. And if you look at all living things, the pattern really is that they have two sizes of sex cells. They have a Mm -hmm. larger sex cell and a smaller sex cell. So instead of having two equally sized sex cells fused to create a new individual, you have one big one that carries half the DNA and whole lot of nutrients, then you have a small sex cell that's only carrying half the DNA that you need to make that person. And so Hmm. why is that? Why is there this imbalance? We see it in almost all species that are alive today, and it works out to be more efficient than having two equally sized sex cells. It works out so that the overall ability of the species to reproduce is 
higher. And so that's the origin of sex. It's having two different sized gametes. And sex has nothing to do with um, anything about our bodies except for the size of the cells that we're producing to reproduce. And that's something that's- Let me ask you something. Let me add, this is extremely fascinating, extremely fascinating. And obviously part of the issue is that students from the earliest ages are not taught this idea in schools. Um, and so therefore they're not able to make educated cho- choices or develop more fully and perhaps realistically scientifically informed understandings about their own identities. Because if if kids grew up understanding this, they would have a much more fluid, flexible, and and I think pragmatic understanding of what sex is, what gender is. Let me ask you this. Why is it, do you think, that we're so adamant about maintaining this notion of the binary? What does who does that serve and what purpose does it serve when clearly scientifically this no such thing in the same way that we sort of regulate and police people through it. Right. There's no such thing as a, a binary when it comes to the uh, gender that we present or when it comes to the physical sex that we develop as biological beings. Um, the idea of a binary is a model that's no longer useful in a lot of ways. It's a model. You can think of the world as a binary, but it's not going to serve you well. And so what it does when students continue to learn about binaries is that it alienates students who don't fit into that binary mm-hmm. and it makes students feel well, I'm not a lot, not a part of science. I'm not a part of the way that the world is described. So I must be an other and I'm going to uh, tune out or I'm going to find other places other than school to be myself. And it's my mm-hmm. hope that students can find school as a place to be themselves and to grow themselves. Thank you very, very much for this education. I just want to say, as somebody who struggled with a miseducation about gender and sexuality when I was young, if I had a science teacher like you when I was coming up, number one, I probably wouldn't have flunked out of science because I would have had a very compassionate, empathetic, and patient educator to guide me and help me find my way into it. But also, your understanding of gender and sexuality, if I had had that when I was young, I would have probably avoided 20 years of self-doubt and therapy. (laughs) So Sam, thank you again. We are so grateful to you. Thanks for being curious about science and thanks for having me on the show. I'm Roger Q. Mason for This Way Out. You can check out science teacher Sam Long's work at genderinclusivebiology.com. Next time, Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage with Roger Q. Mason, features Ricky Nathanson, Senior Advisor of the Global Trans Program for Outright Action International. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. Thank you.
Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Sarah Montague and Michael LeBeau, produced by Brian DeShazer, and from Roger Q. Mason, produced with Brian DeShazer and David Gonzalez. Sam Cooke and Huey Lewis in the News performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed by theme music. This way, I thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Ivana Foundation, the Beneficial State Foundation Sponsorship Fund of the Tides Foundation, and donors Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Please join them. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Chappelle and all of us at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on WXOJ Northampton, Massachusetts, 3ECB Croydon, Victoria, WODU Norfolk, Virginia, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.